everybody. Grab your Bible and pencil and a journal and even a cup of coffee and join in on our conversation. But first, I would like for you to write this down. 1 John chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. My little children, I'm writing you these things so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He himself is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for those of the world. Hey everyone, welcome to Write This Down with Dot Bowen. My name is Kara, I am Dot's daughter, and every week we sit down together and we talk through truth and scripture, and in this episode we are diving back into 1 John, and we talk a lot about salvation and our flesh and spirit and works and faith, but it may be a bit confusing. So we try our best to clarify and make sense of what we're talking about. (laughs) But if you happen to have any questions or what some clarity on anything that we discuss, and not just in this episode, but in any episode, please feel free to reach out to the email that is in the description of each episode which is hello at dotbowen.com. So we are so glad that you're here and we would love for you to pull up a chair and listen in. Hey, Kara. <laughs> Good morning, Mom. Hey, honey. We are in this first John, you know, we were talking about it last week and I did not really realize, even though I should probably have known this, but as I got into Reading First John, Second, you know the whole book of First yeah. John. I thought, oh my gosh, this could be very confusing. For one thing, you know, we talked about if you are in fellowship with God. You know, I think last week we talked about not, oh, yes. you know, you can't sin. You know, you shouldn't sin. Right. And then today, you know, in chapter two, it says, no, "Do not sin." If you are in Jesus, you do not sin. And then it says, "But if you do sin." We have an advocate, which is Jesus, and we'll talk about that a little bit today. So as we get into the letter, you'll see that I just think it can be extremely confusing if you don't take some of the things that John is saying, understand what John is about and why he writes the letter. If you don't take the things that he said and put it in context, you can really get very confused because there's some people that can read First John and think, oh, well, my relationship with God is strictly based on performance. Mm. And oh, I see what you're saying. He, yeah, because it talks a lot about if you love me or if you are in me or if you're in Christ, then you're going to do what I say. Well, yeah. And he also calls people a liar. He does. If you say, says, I know him, but do not keep his commandments, you're a liar. Mm-hmm. And those are strong words yeah. coming from the beloved John who likes to talk about loving people. And I, I do love that because there is a thing about loving someone and telling them the truth or trying to make them feel better. And I think that John, you know, is not only knew that he was loved by God, by Jesus, but he called himself the beloved um, right. of disciples. So he, you know, does talk a lot about love and I think that for me, as I was thinking about this, just as, you know, before we started talking about it, is that I did a lot of things as a new believer, a new follower of Jesus, out of just what I thought I was supposed to do. I, I didn't really, 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 really realize. Wow. That's, that's a, a lot, lot of reallys. <laughs> that's a lot of reallys there. I'm telling you, I really did not realize. 
that love is really the basis of why we do what we do because we love God, that we want to obey Him. And Mm -hmm. I think that John is trying to talk to his children, talking about new followers or people he was writing to, he was writing to the church, that he wanted, it was almost like in my mind, he wanted to write these things to the church because a lot of the letters that were written are to certain specific church, and this is the body of Christ. He was writing Mm -hmm. to all believers. And I think it was almost like his little dying wish, even though we know that Revelation is his last book. But it was mm-hmm. like he was writing these things as a, a reminder of being able to say, hey, now remember that, you know, if you are in Christ, if you're a follower of Jesus, there are certain things that as a follower of Jesus we're supposed to do and certainly be motivated by doing those things through love. But it, it can be very extremely confusing. Yeah, I the think word, I'm confused now. Okay, good. Okay, let's close <laughs> in prayer. This was a great conversation. I have confused you. It won't be the first time, or will it be the last? But I will say this, that, you know, at the very beginning in this chapter, he says, my little children. So these are believers. Right, right. Yeah. And as you get on into the uh, letter, he really talks about fathers, and he talks about brothers. So he's talking about family. And he's talking about the family of God. And when he says that we're to love our brothers, it doesn't mean every child on the face of the earth. It's not the like when he says your brothers, it's not like fellow people, like other people. He is, even though we should love everybody, I'm not saying that. But what John is stressing is as believers, as a follower of Jesus, we should be united and we should love each other. And and that that's what makes a difference in the world is how Christians love each other. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't love someone that doesn't right. say that they believe Jesus or they don't right. follow after Jesus. I'm not well, saying, I think it's so just like there, there really shouldn't be any like division within the church or right. believers. And that's, yeah, that's basically what you're, what you and John are getting at. I think Me and too, John. like, yeah, you and John. Yeah. I think it's hard because Love is so skewed. You know, it's like, I think it can go both ways where it's like you can love someone and not, you know, like be afraid to tell them like, oh, I love them. So I don't want to tell them this hard truth or hard thing or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, no, you know, love does speak the truth. But I think some people can swing to the other side of that and abuse that and say like, oh, I'm just saying this in love. And it's like, no, that was actually really hurtful and harsh and me. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think. Mm, Right. That can be abusive. It's like, well, you can't just say whatever you want in the name of love and honesty, and it'd be okay. Yeah, I've learned the hard way, and I know you know this more than anyone. Just because a thought comes into your mind doesn't mean you're supposed to say it. Right. Yes. And I'm trying to learn to love sometimes to keep my mouth shut and know when to speak. (laughs) I'm not saying that I do that well. But I'm just saying <laughs> the Holy Spirit in me is trying to keep my mouth shut. But I will well, say Well, and part this. of the love, part of the love too is, you know, when those moments come, I love you and knowing, I know your heart and I know, you know, if you say that something I only that maybe. That best for you. Yeah. Right. And I think that that's one of the things that John is actually saying. He knew that Jesus loved him. He knew that he was loved by the Father. And he was able to write these things to the church to say, you, you know, when you really know that God loves you, you can read His Word, and it may be harsh at times, 
and some of the things that God, you know, wants to share with us and tells us, you know, to forgive. Let's just take that word, you know, that fact and that truth. And we're like, well, well it's command. You know, that's kind of hard. Yeah, it's not even, yeah. you know, up for option. But I think that as we're looking at in First John, he does talk a lot about if you do these things, if you do the things that God tells you to do, then you'll know. It's like almost like an evidence. Like you, if you ever wonder if you're a Christian or not, or if you're really a follower of Jesus, then look at the things that you're doing. So there, you know, it has a lot to do with obedience. It has a lot to do with, you know, the way that we walk and what we're doing. And and I, I love the fact that at the very beginning in chapter two, he says we have this advocate. In other words, Jesus comes in and defends us. And and now to switch a little bit of topics here. You know, when we think about Satan and we look in Revelation, he is known as the accuser of the brethren, meaning he accuses Christians. Right. We know that in Job, you know, where he, you know, God says mm-hmm. Job was righteous. And, Which, and that's and, always, that's like a, what's the word, um, a sign? I don't know. That's not the right word, but of whether or not it is the voice of the Father or the voice of the enemy is if you are feeling mm-hmm. accused because the Lord would never speak. I mean, he might, and he doesn't also condemn, you know, he may, whenever the Lord speaks something in truth or in honesty or, you know, whatever, love, it, there's never accusation. There's never condemnation. And I think there's that a is something. There's a difference between an accusation and acknowledging and revealing how you're acting. There's right. a difference in our accusations and our accusations where we say to ourselves, "Oh, I'm worthless. I'm stupid. I'm an idiot. I can't believe I've done this. I'm not. I'm not good." It's always attacking ourselves. Yeah. Or if someone were to say, "Like, oh, you just did that because you're trying to X Y," you know, like that's an accusation mm-hmm. toward you. Right. Where it's like, well, you know, and where the Holy Spirit would come in and say, "Let's talk about what you're doing." You know, your well, let's talk about your heart too. You know, heart. Like, there's yes. not an accusation toward it, but anyway, all I have to say is you can go back to what you're saying. But I, the like you're saying in Revelation that the enemy Satan is the accuser of the brethren, mm-hmm. and yeah. yeah, I just think that like that is something I keep in my mind. I'm like, okay, like am I feeling condemned or accused right now? That is not the voice of my father. That's right, and the Holy Spirit, you know, his job, which is what this advocate means. It's actually a lot of. People talk about this advocate, which is in John's letter here, he's talking about a legal person. He's talking about someone stepping in and taking up our case against us. Like God would defend us. Jesus would defend us. Like Jesus is our advocate. He's going to court for us. Like say that, you know, Satan is attacking us or we are accusing, felt accused or felt unworthy. Then God comes in and the Holy Spirit comes in Guys, this is the truth. So mm-hmm. literally the advocate and the Holy Spirit is can be used interchangeable in this. Right. So let me ask a question okay. that someone may be wondering. So okay. I'm going to be an like advocate maybe. for our listeners. <laughs> okay. Let's <laughs> hope I have the answer. Well, I, I just, I think you will, because I, I mm-hmm. just want just some clarity on, you know, sometimes when we think of an advocate of like, okay, if you think like a courtroom, like you're saying like, a, mm-hmm. you know, like there's this legal term and it's not saying that God is trying to bring a judgment on us or maybe he is, I don't know, but it, I, I just want you to clarify, like, it seems like, oh, Jesus has to be our advocate. The Holy Spirit has to be our advocate. That doesn't mean that God is 
against us. Do you know what I'm saying? Like sometimes I yeah. think that can come across. Do you know well, what I'm? Yes, I do know exactly what you mean. But as we get into into First John, you're going to see that John talks a lot about light and darkness. He talks about the world and and and, and then believers. So the advocate and that Jesus being our advocate to the Father is not that the Father is judging us. It is that Satan is judging us, or we have allowed the flesh, or we have judged ourselves, or we're trying to condemn ourselves, or we're trying to beat up on ourselves, or the enemy is trying to um, to accuse us of something that is not true. And mm-hmm. Jesus being the advocate, and I will say this too, this doesn't mean that we're not doing something wrong. This just means that Jesus steps in and says, she's mine. And it's, mm. it's like in Jude 3, 3, where it talks about that Jesus will present us to the Father. And I think that for this, it's like Jesus steps in and, you know, if we're being accused unrighteously, or God or Satan is uh, actually, you know, bringing us accusations, making us feel bad about ourselves, beating us, ourselves up in mm-hmm. our minds and our thoughts, making us feel very unworthy and just like, you know, feeling like, oh, I just can never do anything right. I'm just stupid. I'm an idiot. Why do I keep doing this? And sometimes when we find ourselves struggling with certain situations and sins, we begin to have those thoughts like, you know, you think you're a Christian, but you're not. You're just a hypocrite. Or mm-hmm. you think you should you should do better. You should know better and all this kind of stuff. Like, you know, sometimes I've said, I've gone you know, and got on my knees and saying, God, am I still struggling with this? Am I still struggling with this attitude? Am I still struggling with this sin or this weakness that I have or sin? It may be just sin. And it's as if God uh, is sitting there and we're in our minds being accused of not being who God says we are. And it's as if Jesus steps in, as you say, like in a courtroom and go, she's mine. I've forgiven Mm -hmm. her. Because right after that, it says that Jesus is the atonement for our sins. And so it's almost as if Jesus steps in when we do sin or when we are uh, being accused of, you know, wrongfully or whatever, that God is there and He's with us and that Jesus is there with Him interceding for us and letting us know that He is for us. He's not against us. And that uh, for me, it's as if Jesus just steps in when I'm starting to beat myself up or I've allowed my mind to go in different directions or Satan has put all these horrible thoughts in my head and I've not stopped those thoughts and I began to just continually to just beat myself up, I need to think about Jesus coming in and going, you're mine, you're mine. Stop beating yourself up. Yeah. But it doesn't mean I'm not, you know, there's always half truth. Right. Which is hard to deal with. Which I think that's the whole, I mean, it also... Calls the enemy the deceiver, and I think that that's what mm-hmm. that's what that is. You know, to deceive, there is always an element of truth because we may be acting like a hypocrite, right? Like, and I think that's where, yeah, the the mm-hmm. Holy Spirit is so, and Jesus, the Lord, all three, <laughs> they're <Yeah>. so gentle <laughs> and mm-hmm. and revealing those things in us. And it's not because, and it's not to you know, condemn or shame us, but it's this like, hey, this is not healthy. This is, or, you know, like this isn't good for your heart. Like I, I want right. to heal this. I want, you know, in order to draw close to closer to the Lord. And like, that's always the end goal for the Lord 
for us, or that's yes. always the end goal with the Lord for us is He's He. And we, this is last week, of he wants us to be closer to him and he knows when that mm-hmm. sin is in our heart like that, like sin separates. And that's exactly what I was going to say is because it's, as you were saying, I think you, you brought it up, the Greek word for fellowship mm-hmm. and how, how it was such a oneness and it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a very intimate relationship. And that's the whole thing about even First John, as I was saying, you know, it's going to be very confusing that what this is really talking about is not saying that I'm not his child. But what happens when we sin or we go after the world or we don't listen to the truth and we listen to the lies, that what John is trying to say is that it's going to hurt your intimacy with the Lord. Because mm-hmm. that's how, what right. John's all about. That's why we love John is because he's so much right. about an intimacy with the Father. And so when John is writing this letter to the to the Christians he, and to the followers of Jesus, he's saying, you know, one of the things that you— you want to strive and know is that it's not about because he talks he calls them their little children. Then later on he talks about fathers and he talks about you know young men and it's a spiritual growth is how we grow you know spiritually in different ways. But what he's saying is that if you're going to know the truth and, and you got to know that God loves you and that He's going to step in and He's going to defend you. But He's never saying that. You know, we're not going to sin, but he's saying if you do sin, Jesus is going to step in. The Holy Spirit is going to guide us and lead us and direct us. And remember, Jesus atoned for our sins. He paid for the sins. So we're not condemned, but it causes us a problem with our intimacy and our fellowship with God. And that's where I was going to say at the very beginning, like how it can be confusing, because it could be this doctrine that my salvation is based on my works, where in Ephesians it clearly says it's a gift of God, not mm-hmm. anything that we can do. Right. And there's another theology that could be threatened to say that if I am a believer, that if I do sin, then I may lose my salvation. And so that's why I was saying that it's just, you know, it can open up a lot of can of worms. So if you don't take all of the book right. and all of these letters in the context, then, you know, it would really think, well, everything that— John is saying is my relationship with the Father is based on what I do or how I love other believers. And that's not what John's saying. He's saying right. to do those things because you are a believer, but he's saying it's going to mess up your mm-hmm. intimacy with the yeah. Lord. Well, I think, I mean, James talks about that, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. Isn't it, James? Yeah. Yeah, talking about faith without works is dead. Yeah, is he said James? if you, yes, it is James. He says you say you have faith, and I say I have, you know, I'll show you my words. Yeah. Baseball well, I just think face. it's like if you, you know, anyone listening who is struggling with that, it's like just think of any earthly relationship you have, you know, whether mm-hmm. it's your husband or your kids. You know, like if your kids consistently, I mean, I don't have kids, but if your kids are consistently disobeying you, like I just, I would imagine you wouldn't feel super loved or heard as a parent. I mean, I'm sure there would be a lot of frustration. But, and like even with your husband, like if your husband never did anything, or a significant other of any of any kind. If your husband never did anything to show mm-hmm. that he loves you, whether that's like you know the five love, love languages or whatever, you know. But if he mm-hmm. never did anything, words are cheap. No, I don't think words are cheap. Well, I think words are cheap. I think you can say some things and not mean them. Oh yeah, I yeah. Think, yeah. Well, I was, I I think, was thinking words are not cheap in terms of like words of affirmation is like a genuine love language. Yeah, My point being true. is, if you look at I think it's easy to be like, oh, like that's not fair of the Lord, you know, like, oh, it's all mm-hmm. works and or whatever with the Lord. I can, I'm only going to be loved if I do, you know, X, Y, and Z. But it's like, well, but if you look at your earthly relationships, 
if your husband or spouse or whoever never did anything to show that he or she loved you like that, you wouldn't feel as loved. You know, you'd be like, wait, do you actually love me? Like you're never, you don't ever do anything for me. You don't ever Mm -hmm. sacrifice your time. You don't ever talk to me. You don't ever, you know, like you wouldn't feel as loved. Yeah. And I think that the thing about this is that what John is, is wanting to encourage the believers not to confuse them, but wanting to encourage them because there was a lot of false teachers coming in and he wanted them to be confident that God did love them and that God had forgiven them. But because of God's love for us, because it, it would be impossible for God not to love you <laughs> he, because he's love. That's just what he is. And he's saying because of God's love for us and he gave us his son and Jesus is, you know, uh, interceding for us. He's, he steps in and takes care of us. He defends us. It's not as if that we need to be defended because God wants to condemn us. But mm-hmm. what he's saying is you need to feel loved and you need to know that you've got someone for you. You've got someone on your side here. And a lot of times we don't feel like people understand is, or we don't right. feel like, yeah, that God yeah, is on our side. Right. So let me go back to something you said. Okay. You said, I can't remember now how exactly I said it. Basically, like it is impo- like God can't not love He us. cannot not love you. It is impossible for God because God is love. Okay, so explain that verse, and and I'm just being devil's advocate here, but explain, you know, it is impossible to please the Lord without, what's that verse? is like without faith, faith it is impossible it is, to please the Lord. Yeah. yeah, but we're talking about the character of God. We're talking about who God is, not performance, not, you know, God wants us to trust Him. So God can love us, but not be pleased with us. Absolutely. I love you, and I'm not always pleased with you. Oh, that's... I know. Well, I mean, it's a shocker. (laughs) And what's even more of a shocker is you love me, and you're not always pleased with me. So, you know, it's... Okay. Okay, let's go with that. And I will say this, that no matter what you do, and and we've talked about this at one point, about a time that, you know, you walked away a little bit from the Lord, and there was some division between the two of us. And, you know, because you said, I think even last week, we haven't always been this close. Right, But you've always been my child, and mm-hmm. I've always loved you. Mm-hmm. So what is at stake is our relationship, our fellowship, our intimacy. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's really what First John is really, really talking about. If you want to know and feel the closeness and the intimacy that you are a child of God, then do what I say. Do what God says. And that's what he's saying. Yeah, I think that's a good point. And in my mind, you clarify that well. So if you are not a believer, mm-hmm. does the Lord love you? The Lord loves, for God so loved the world. It is crazy. We do not. We do not love every single human. But because God loved His children, wanted His children, created man and woman, and He has called us His children and created us in His image— even though sin has caused a division between us and our Creator, that doesn't mean that He does not love. He cannot not love us, but He does not love sin. Right. And so He's probably not pleased with people who maybe are not believers or who aren't believers or even I believers think it breaks, who. Yeah, I think it breaks like, His heart. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I, yeah, because I think that's I think that's where it's so hard for us humans sometimes to separate like that love. Not separate love, but it's like 
that God does love every human, you know, that he created. Right. But that's where it's like we can't, it's like our minds can't, I don't think fully comprehend it. There's so much mystery and we don't okay. get it. But like, let's go, let's like go with can, this. Hold on. Let's go. Wait a minute. Okay. Wait a minute. No, let me we'll finish. I want to. <laughs> okay, fine. Go ahead. Because <laughs> I wanted like, to bring in your dogs. Oh, my little pups. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I thought that's what I thought. <laughs> I just even I, I they forgot don't what I was always say. do. Yeah. They don't always do what you love them, you want them to do. No, George drives me nuts. He has a, he's so independent. Yeah. Okay. So and, he knows what and, to do and he doesn't always do it. And that's I'm okay. Like, that's, but yes. do you love George? Oh, yeah. I die for him. Okay. There you go. So did Jesus. And yeah. so therefore is what I'm trying to say is we get so caught up in our performance, which I was saying at the very beginning is it's so hard with First John is because if you're not careful, you're going to think God's love for us is based on our performance. Or right. if I do something, it means I love God. But I right. know for a fact I can do some things for some people I do not love. Right. Well, and that's kind of that's what I was going to say is I think it's hard, you know, like these horrible people, you know, it's like Ted Bundy, you know, it's like the Lord mm-hmm. loved Ted Bundy and the and the creation that he was, but the sin that was rampant in Ted Bundy and who he di- was and the evil that he did, like that, like the Lord can, it's like those are separate. It's like the sin he hates and the mm-hmm. evil he hates, but the, it's like at the purest, like who you are, the Lord loves like, that's where I think it's, like, hard to, like, wrap our minds around. Like, I don't understand how God could love someone like that. But it's like, well, no, he's not saying he loves and accepts what he did and who he became. But in terms of who he created, you know, in his mother's womb, mm-hmm. like, that is who God loved I th- before. I think that God, and, and it's hard for us to understand because we live in a world right, that's that what, what we it's, do, yeah. what we do often is determine how somebody accepts us and loves us. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, look at, you know, well, the Well, now athletes. we just said that of like, even with mm-hmm. our, you know, with spouses or relationships, it's like That's right. you, you do see that, like how we act. That's where I think it, it is, what you're saying is it is confusing because it's like, they're both true. It's like, yeah, you, if you love someone, you show it, you do action. But mm-hmm. that doesn't mean... Okay, let me go with this. God loves us and he loved the whole world that he sent his son that's action. What John is saying, because of God's great love toward us and because now we love God, we need to do what he says, what God says, and that that is going to show it doesn't create love for us. The Holy Spirit in us and Jesus in us, if we trust the Holy Spirit to love through us, then it's the Holy Spirit through us that's going to love other people. And that's what John is talking about. And we you know, see that later in John, but John is definitely writing to the church and saying, if you wonder, if you want to feel intimate, if you feel want to feel close to God, then do what he says, because that's what it is. Live in the truth, be obedient, and walk in God, and walk with him. You know that you are with, you know, Jesus is in you, and you're in him, and walk into that truth, and don't walk as the world um, performs and, and tells you how to do. And we'll talk about that next week. But I, I just think that right now, like, you know, one, one of the things that John is really wanting to say to us is that, you know, God is light, God is love. And if we walk with Him and we love Him, 
and we're, you know, united in him, we are going to feel weird. We're not going to feel happy or content. Weird. If we, yes, weird. Because in reality, the truth of the matter is a true believer, a, a child of God should not want to sin. And that's what John's talking about. You know, I remember when I was living, you know, in sin, you know, like a consistent for, for mm-hmm. a period of time, I was miserable. Yeah. And same. that was the Holy Spirit, you know, in me. These people that can just go in and do everything that they want to do, they don't have any concern for God. There's no sensitivity to the things of God. I think those people should maybe question their salvation because I think that with this letter, what John is saying is, for one thing, love your brother. Let's, let's unite as believers, but also to know that God is love and that if we are truly walking in Him, with Him, we're going to love other people, and the world should see that in us. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that it's hard because, like, again, I want to say a lot of times we think our performance or what we do is what determines our relationship with God. It determines our intimacy and our mm-hmm. fellowship, but it does not determine our relationship with Him. If you receive Jesus as your Savior and you know that He died for you and you accept Him for the atoning of your sins and know that Jesus is the payment and the perfect sacrifice, which is what is in First John 2, the atonement of our sin, and you receive that and not trying to live godly, but allow God to live through us, through the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. and you're trusting everything that God's doing, right. then we you say are that a child all the time. of God. We were, not, we were not meant to live the Christian life, like out That's of right. our own strength. Like we can't. We cannot we can't do live. that. Yeah. I think because that's a great, could, I think you to. summed it up really well in saying the, it's basically like our standing with the Lord versus our intimacy with the Lord. Like we mm-hmm. cannot change being loved by him, but that doesn't mean that, you know, there are, are a lot, there are a lot of things that can affect our intimacy and our fellowship, like, we, like we've said, and like yeah. John's saying. Exactly. And I think that as I, you know, just flipping through, you know, this first John, you know, we're talking about, you know, there's this difference of loving the world and loving God. And, you know, in John chapter 3, it says, Everyone who commits sins practices lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. You may want to think about, like, am I living in this sin? Does it bother me that I'm living in this sin? Or, you know, am I? do you feel the Holy Spirit that's in you convicting you a little bit of it? You know, I'm not saying that you can live any way that you want to and still be a believer, but I will say this, that our lifestyle should reflect who we love and and whose family we're in. Right. I think that that's a huge, huge thing. And if, if you're in the family of God and, and you've trusted Jesus as your Savior and you've got your right with God, then your lifestyle should reflect right. Well, and I think that's, yeah, like it. that's the case with the Lord and even like people in our lives, you know, like if I you know, have close friends and I never talk about you, like they would think we don't have a relationship or it's not an important relationship, you know, but Mm -hmm. I mean, I talk to you about like everyone in my life knows, you know, that you're my best friend or knows that I have dogs because I talk about my dogs all the time, you know, or not all the time, but you know, it's, they're aware. It's Mm -hmm. like when you love someone, it's like, you can't not 
you know, talk about them or do things for them or, you know, whatever it may be. Yeah, you want to um, please them. Right. You want to please them. And I think that's that. I mean, and, you know, there's a, a you know, I, I get it. I, I see, you know, First John can be very confusing. It says, you know, that everyone who has been born of God does not sin because his seed remains in him. He is not able to sin. And I just want to point out that what John is saying and the truth of that and what that really means is that we have been born again and that the seed, which goes back to Genesis 3, matter of fact, in Genesis 3, verse 15, when God is cursing Satan, he says, he curses Satan. He says, you know, my seed will come between you and the woman, meaning yeah. that was Jesus. And so mm-hmm. here he's saying, so, you know, our seed, we cannot sin because we have the seed and it's we have the Holy Spirit. We have mm-hmm. Jesus in us. But what I want to do, I think that I just want to end on this because we probably confused everybody in this conversation. But, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and honestly, if we have confused our listeners more, like, then send us an email. We, you know, yeah. let us know so we can try to either clear it up or, you know, whatever, as best we as best we can. But yeah. Anyway. But I will say that Paul talks about in Romans six, it says, How shall we continue in sin that grace and abound? God forbid. That we that have been born again in God, that we don't we do not sin. Meaning that the Spirit in us, we now have a Holy Spirit in us, and the Holy Spirit does not sin. But then in chapter seven, Romans seven Paul talks about the struggle of the flesh and how these very things I want to do, I don't do. I wish I did do. So in 6, it talks about we have died to the penalty and the power of sin. We don't have to sin. We choose to sin. That's the spirit within us. In 7, Romans 7, well, the talks spirit about, doesn't well, choose to sin. Yeah. That's right. In chapter 7, the flesh, we're, we've still got the flesh. Even though we have the seed, even though we have the Holy Spirit, we still have the, our flesh. We still have this body. We still have our patterns of things that we've done over the years that we have to struggle with. That's Romans 7. And then Romans 8 talks about the Holy Spirit giving us the power not to sin. So if John chapter 1, 2, 3 is confusing about that, I think Paul you know, takes up that same principle in Romans 6, 7, and 8. Yeah. Remember, when John is talking about not sinning, that we do not sin, he's talking because we have the Holy Spirit within us. And the power of sin has yes. been taken care of because of Jesus and the cross. But we do have to deal with the flesh. And our flesh sometimes, our patterns and things that we do, the struggles that we have, still come t- sometimes. Which I do uh, have... I have a question that I do okay. not. This will have to be next week. We'll have to talk okay. about it. But my question is, the flesh and the spirit, Holy Spirit, are together. And that's what you're saying, Romans 6 and 7 and what John is saying and all that. And then you bring Jesus into the equation, who is also flesh and had the Holy but Spirit. But he was holy. But he, he never did sinned. not sin. I know. So that's a crazy thought that maybe we should dive into next week. Well, the good thing Along is with this. Everything else. With John, because John talks about not loving the world. I'm just saying, I feel like there might be someone who's like, okay, like they're both there, but we know that Jesus never sinned. So it's a little, yeah, we could talk about that. We have Jesus' spirit, we don't have Jesus' flesh. So we have our own flesh. So anyway, we'll talk about that next week. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, we'll talk about it next week. (laughs) Hang on, hang on. But I will encourage the listeners to read first, second, and third John. 
And then next week we're going to go with four and five because well, and it's to so read Roman, like you said, Romans six and seven as six, well. Six, seven, and eight, yeah. Oh, and but eight. just well, remember this. Just remember this, Kara, that no matter what, we have the Holy Spirit, and Jesus is going to guide us, lead us, and direct us, and we don't have to work it out. We don't have to work on this. We just have to trust Him. We just have to trust Him. God will do it in and through us if we let Him. Thanks for listening. I'm so glad that you could be a part of our conversation. To continue the conversation, you can find Dot on social media at Dot Bowen or visit her website, dotbowen.com. Subscribe, like, and share with your friends, and we will see you next week on Write This Down with Dot Bowen. Bowen.